Father, we do want to thank you that you are a God who is so willing to speak. We are people who sadly are often quite slow to listen. And so we pray that you would please help us in a hot and tiring day to be reinvigorated by the Bible as we look at it tonight. Teach us, Holy Spirit, that we might learn how good you are and gracious is your word. And we pray that you would be our teacher. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read Psalm 19, page 456. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. And let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Where we've uh, prayed, we'll uh, go straight in and realize that although we might be small, there's reason to be confident because at the heart of our confidence is God who speaks. And in this part of the Bible, God makes himself heard two ways.
first in 1 to 5, if you can say, he speaks through the skies, the heavens declare the glory of God. And then in verse 7 onwards, uh, God speaks through scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect. And so therefore, this part of the Bible is talking about how God communicates in these two ways. Let's uh, look at them, because it's important. Out there is a world on our estate, and there's a clear message from God, but largely that message is unpopular and it's not wanted. And the result of that is we can lose confidence because we are small, and are we right to believe what we believe? And so, therefore, we want to look at Psalm 19 and see why we can get our confidence back as we study that psalm together. First, we're going to look at the God who speaks through creation. And I've given the son a voice. Uh, the heavens declare that God is glorious because God creates. And everything that he has made tells us that he has made it. It's not in your ears in the sense of there's nothing audible that we can hear, but it's in your face because it is so obvious that he has created. And so you see how uh, there is this uh, great uh, word from the world that we're living in that God has uh, been uh, creating. And it's, it's communicating, it's messaging us all the time. Uh, possibly the messaging in the Bible is probably going to be slightly easier to follow. Um, and it's messaging us all the time to tell us uh, that uh, uh, God is a glorious God. 24-7, there's night and there's day in uh, uh, verse 2. And therefore, we might just want to think about the person who says, look, if only I knew a little bit more about uh, God, if he could only just make himself known a bit better, then maybe I might believe in him. And uh, our answer to that would be that uh, there is uh, a word for everyone. It's there all the time. And therefore... There is no one who will be able to say that there is no God because the voice is heard. The sun comes out and we even set our clocks by it. It's so clear. But the sun says, I'm not here to tell you the time. I'm here to tell you there is a glorious God. And there is no one hidden from its heat, in verse 6. So, uh, to say, can you live in this world and say there is no God, is like saying, can you live in this world and say there is no sun? Doesn't make sense. When the sun is there to give you the message that he is glorious. So we understand uh, God speaks, and he speaks uh, from the world to the world. 
but he also speaks from his word to those who are his own, his servants. That's what uh, uh, this next part is, that by this your servant is warned, uh, says David uh, in verse 13. So this is uh, good for servants. And uh, when you become a, 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 a Christian, then the Bible becomes big uh, for the reasons that this psalm gives us. Now, when we look at um, verse 7, uh, and we see that uh, it is the law of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord, when David was king, applied to the first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote them. And so that's what they called the law of the Lord. But what verse 7 is telling us is David does not call it the law of Moses. He calls it the law of the Lord because it is God speaking through Moses. And God speaks through people. And the New Testament part of the Bible tells us the same thing. So if you were to look, if you could turn to page one, just keep a finger here and turn to page 1018 to 2 Peter and uh, we'll, um, the last verse of chapter 1 in 2 Peter. Um, uh, if we get there with an Iranian Bible, I'm taking the English Bibles are numbered so you can get there fast but uh, if uh, there's uh, an Iranian Bible that uh, can be read um, yeah you got that uh, could you read it out for us please Ali read out just that read out that verse in, in, in Farsi yes, sir. yeah uh, just shout shout out loud That, that, that's a long verse. Just, uh, if you could just read the just last verse. 21. That sounds about right. <laughs> it, it, should, it, should, it, it should say something like, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So no one ever sat down with a cup of coffee one morning and said, I think I'm going to write a little bit of the Bible today. No one ever did that. Uh, God is the one who helped people to say what they wanted to say. That does not mean 
that God used people like typewriters, I dictate, you write, the personality of the person comes through. So David, who wrote this psalm, was a shepherd, and he wrote Psalm 23, said, God is like a shepherd. So he understood that that's what God was like from the job that he did. But when Jesus comes in John chapter 10, he doesn't say, ah, oh, David was just make it up as he went along. He said, no, no, David was absolutely right. And I am the good shepherd. And the amazing thing about the Bible is that it is the law of the Lord and therefore it all holds together because there's one person speaking. Now, we would be very right to be worried if just Moses stood up and said, I'm going to write five books and that is the law of the Lord. We might say, hmm. But when you read the Bible in its full form, you have got 40 different people writing and they are writing over 1,500 years and they are all pointing the same way in what they have written. You then say, this is God's spirit at work because everything fits. I used to go sailing in a lake where there are lots of boats that can move wherever they want to go. You will find that boats always face the same way, which is the way the wind is blowing. All boats point into the wind if there is nothing to stop them moving. They will all point to the wind. And it is like that with the Bible. All the books are pointing into the wind of the Spirit. They all point the same way. Therefore, there's no crashing. And therefore, they all have a uni unified message. And as the Bible progresses, we see that they're all pointing and telling us about Jesus and what he is like. So we find that that is uh, what the Bible is uh, telling us and it is all the law of the Lord because God is behind it. And when you look at the law of the Lord, you might just think the Bible is all about laws, rules. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. But if you pick up the first five books of Moses you will find something interesting. It is not about rules. It is about what in English we call a covenant, a God who promises. So in the first five books of the Bible, you get a promise that goes like this. You get God making a promise to one man called Abraham. Uh, please, Alan, could you be Mr. Abraham and stand up? Uh, Mr. Abraham has uh, one son who's called Isaac. Charles, could you stand up and please be Mr. Isaac? Right? Isaac has two sons, uh, Steve and Harry. Could you be uh, uh, Isaac's two sons? And one of Isaac's two sons had 12 sons. So that would be two, four, six, eight, nine. 10, 11, sir, 12. You all stand up. Okay? That is not a big group of people, is it? 
Okay? That is not a big group of people. Okay, if you sit down for a minute, let me tell you that what God promised Abraham at the start was that he would become a very big nation and he would live in his own promised land. And God made that promise to Abraham in the law of the Lord. And as the story went on, Abraham didn't think that promise would ever come true. He couldn't have any children. And then he had just one, who had two, who had twelve. Not a very big group. But when Genesis finishes and Exodus happens and they go to Egypt, they become such a big number, it's a bit like our estate, no one could count. And about 20 times the size. And now when Moses is writing that special place that God promised, the time that Moses wrote the law, they are just on the boundary waiting to cross. So the law of the Lord is not about how you keep rules. It's about how God keeps promises. That is why it says it revives the soul in verse 7. See, if you were a slave in Egypt and your life was going nowhere, but you had a God who said, I have a future for you. And your future is going to be um, uh, what uh, uh, everyone would long for. Well, that would revive a, a slave's soul, wouldn't it? To know that that is what the future will be. And so the Bible tells us how that future uh, uh, promise is kept. Not with Abraham and his big family going to live in Israel, the promised land, but with Abraham's greatest son, the Lord Jesus, taking his people out of slavery to live in his eternal kingdom. Abraham's just a, a, a bit of a, 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 a visual aid of how God will keep his promise, even though we don't think it'll happen. So it's a full picture of how God keeps promises. That's what the law of the Lord is like. And it is, uh, therefore, never a book about contradiction, where people say the Bible is always contradicting each other. So I'll say more about this next week. But it is a book about completion. How what God said to Abraham, he completed in Jesus. What God said to David about being a shepherd, he completed in Jesus, the good shepherd. But there's never contradiction, always completion of what God has promised. That's why the Bible tells us it is better than in verse uh, 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 10, it is better than uh, money and it's better than honey. Um, you see, more to be desired than gold and sweeter also than honey. Uh, you can say that, can't you? What would you rather have? Would you rather have a pot of honey or would you rather have a God who speaks who will give you his eternal life one day? Which do you want?
Would you rather have a bar of gold? Or would you have uh, an eternity enjoying the whole creation of the God who makes that promise? And so the Bible says uh, this is uh, far better. This law is greater than those things. So, we need to understand uh, the law uh, is the way that God speaks to tell us what he is like and what his future is like. Now the two are connected, if you like, verses 1 to 5 and 7 to the end are connected. Because in verses 1 to 5, God talks, creation tells us that God creates. But verses 1 to 5 raises questions in your mind. It doesn't say who created. It doesn't say why he created. It doesn't say what, how God will make it happen and bring a future to his people. It doesn't say, as you look at the world, that God can be like a father. But the first five, questions, first five verses tells, shows you a world that is talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, to raise those questions in your head that you will then come to the law of the Lord for the answers. So the two are connected. God speaks to creation to raise the questions that he will speak more about in his word. What can we make of that tonight? as we think about that together. Well, first, if you're someone who is new to church, it is important, isn't it, that we understand that God uh, gives us messages that we may be sure he's there. People say, I'm not sure if there's a God. I need to find out more. I don't think that's honest. Because if you're an average person, by the time they get to 20 they would have got 7,000 messages from God to show that he's glorious, day after day after day. And so therefore, it is easy, isn't it, to live in a world where there's lots going on in our lives and we think, well, we need to attend to this matter, we need to get a relationship right, we need to get married, we need to get jobs, we need to work out our business, and we can say... God's that little piece of jigsaw. I know it's missing. I know it's not quite where it should be. But maybe sometime later I'll just slip that final piece into my world. But at the moment I haven't got time. But the answer the Bible tells us from the moment we draw our curtains is that this world will stop if you leave that jigsaw piece out. If that jigsaw piece was not there, the world will stop speaking, it'll fall silent, it'll lose its life. So God is massively important. And the only reason why we can say there is no God in a world that is speaking so loudly is after drawing the curtains and seeing the sun, we quickly draw the curtains shut again and we say, I prefer darkness. And if you look at John chapter 1, that is exactly what people do with Jesus. 
He comes, he lights, and people prefer darkness, not the light. And we need to understand that it is uh, <clears throat> clear that God communicates, and he communicates to everyone, not just Christians. And that's important because when ultimately people meet him when they die, there will be no surprise. There will just be a realization that God had been there all along, had been speaking all along, and they'd drawn the curtains back together and didn't want to come closer, didn't want the relationship. That is how it is. So it is important, I think, if we're new, if you're listening to this on our website, that we understand that God is central to life and the world and the sunshine is there to tell us that more than anything else. Second thing we need to understand is this whole idea of sin. Now let me explain why I put that on the screen because it may be that many of us are used to going to church, not just this church, other churches. And one of the things that we begin to think if we go to church a lot is that we get in the groove of how to behave for that one hour or two on a Sunday and other stuff in our lives doesn't really matter so much. And so therefore we can have those sins that David calls presumptuous sins in verse 13, which in Dagnum we might call repeat prescription sins. They're the kind of things where we say, yeah, God's in the forgiving business and I can sin without worrying about it too much. So yes, I'll go to church, but how I sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, that's uh, okay. Uh, I'm up front in church and I'm good. And so therefore we do stuff that the Bible forbids and we think it'll be okay. Or we do not do things the Bible commends us to do which is, for example, to serve other people, to share our money generously. And we won't go near there because we think, well, I'll be all right. I put in the hours at church. That's what counts. And one of the ways we will gain from the Bible is if we talk to God about what we're learning from the Bible the way that David does. Keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Lord, I can be blind to the things that I'm letting myself get away with. Please will you open the Bible and show me the things that reveal that my life is actually wrong. And I keep pressing the repeat button on the things that I do wrong, thinking that it's going to be all right because you forgive. Keep your servant from presumptuous sins. But the third thing that we want to learn, if we are genuine believers, and that is that... Uh, uh, if we want a relationship with God and we want to understand what he is like, there is nowhere else for us to go to than the place where he speaks to us. Now, it's dishonest for us to say that we haven't got time because all of us find time to do the things that we want to do 
and think important to do. And it's dishonest to say, but I'm not much of a reader. All of us read. Texts, Facebook, any number of different things. So it is really important for us to understand that if we are going to have a serious relationship with God, there is no way we can do that outside of his covenant and his revelation of himself in Scripture. So the Bible is, if you like, God's commitment to us. It shows us his heart of love. And we're not just worshipping a book when we come to the Bible. When we come to the Bible and hear God speak to us, it's like he steps out of Scripture to embrace us and bring us into relationship with himself. That is what the Bible is intending to do. If we are not in Scripture, then we will find that God distant. And I want therefore to suggest that one of the good disciplines for us to do is to match the sun. In other words, wake up early and have your coffee or your tea and read half a chapter of the Bible, maybe start with one of the Gospels and listen to what God is telling you about himself, what he is like, what his future will be like. And ask him to show you where there are areas of your life that need to be changed by him. Speak and return a request to the God who reveals himself to us. And I think it's really important for us to do that so that we might uh, grow and that we might change. Because the last words, verse 14 are the end result. If you don't have the Bible in your life, I'll tell you what will happen, especially if you're used to going to church. You can put on an outward show and people will think you're okay. But the outside won't match the inside. If you live in relationship with God through Scripture, then what you will find is that the meditations of your mouth, so the words of your mouth, and the meditations of your heart will go together. There's no mismatch between the outside life and the inside life. You will be a person of integrity because the outside and the inside match together. That is how the Bible speaks to us. That is what God does when we listen to his word so that we become of one piece with ourselves rather than a pretend show. So many Christians go to church and it's on the outside and the inside is about as far as you get. Now I think it's just really helpful for us to understand that is how the Bible works. And next week we'll look a bit closer at some of the things that people say about it that we might grow our confidence in the Bible even more. So we're going to take the next three Sundays, this Sunday, next Sunday, and the Sunday after, to see how our confidence in the Bible can enlarge and get bigger. And then after that, when we start in September, uh, we'll be studying Philippians, 
And you see how all this is true as we work through one of the letters in the New Testament. And uh, we'll make progress there. Let's pray first. And uh, let's ask for God to help us, speak to us. And then we'll take some questions and anything you want to say. Almighty Father, help us all to listen to you speak to us from the Bible much more than we do and help us to do that so that the words of our mouth and the meditations of all our hearts may be really acceptable in your sight. And we pray this, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen.